Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Hello, Car Wash Nation. Welcome to this episode of the How of Car Washing. I've got my partner in crime and good friend, Henry Lopez. With me today, we're going to talk about a great subject that uh, we've talked about quite a bit. Henry, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm so excited to be part of the nation today. Thanks, being part of the Car Wash Nation. That's right. I, I, I was expecting you to laugh because I know you always laugh. I chuckled that. under my breath, but I was, I was trying to keep yeah. it together. See, I, I like when, when I say Car Wash Nation, I envision the entire nation washing cars. <laughs> that's right that's so right. so it actually people gets, lined up kind of like i, I caught a snippet yeah. of that old car wash movie which is not watchable anymore but i caught a snippet <laughs> of it <laughs> and so it just reminded me of that you know how was it up. boy that that was the oh. old that, that's when you that's when you gave away free car washes if you gassed up your car right right well this one i thought was set in one of those original la ones you know it still yeah. has like you know the a-frame architecture support yeah. beams and it was a full serve car wash. And I don't think it was tied to a gas station, but I might be wrong. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's the way car washing was in the 70s and 80s. It was yeah. all, for, all for full service. That's right. Back in those days. I don't think I could watch that movie. I'm not sure I it's, can, it's pretty can bad. watch it. It's and I would imagine, and I wasn't involved in the industry back then, but I'm sure that was the theme song of most of the conventions, probably for <laughs> five to seven years. You got to imagine so. <laughs> and some of the guys that play that music, they probably... Until like, somebody said, enough. Let's yeah, say, I don't want to ever hear that song again. Song. <laughs> yeah, so no doubt, no doubt. Good. Well, we got a topic today I think is pretty timely. One thing I have found in working with some of my clients uh, in my consulting practice and also some friends I have in the industry t telling me about what's going on in their car washes or distributors are telling me about car washes that they're helping serve is this, is this whole issue of, of confidence in the HR department. And I want to mm -hmm. talk about, you know, how do you develop confidence in HR? Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a problem. And I see this and I, I saw it with myself when I was running car washes for years and years and years. And it just, you know, recently in the last two or three years, I finally got this process figured out, but it's certainly a, a subject that you like to talk about as well. And you've kind of coached me on this. And, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with, you know, having confidence in the human resources. Um, but, you know, the, typically it's going to be, you know, when, when I'm talking about the, the people out there, I see people that are relatively new in the industry or, you know, owners that are not 100% active in the business, which means they don't really have their, you know, they don't have their their eyes and ears on what's going on all the time in the business. So th these are typically the people that I see struggling with HR confidence the most. But uh, so the, the, to kind of set the scene and the characteristic is usually what happens is they'll hire somebody and they're usually at a managerial level and uh, they might have a lot of car washing experience in one area or another. And then that person sort of takes over the process. They sort of take over running the car wash, uh, which, which can be good in, in some ways, but, um, but they, they tend to lean pretty heavily on their experience and their skill set uh, that they're bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I would call that person more of a technocrat. Um, and in the car washing industry, obviously being a technocrat means you understand the equipment. You've got some ability to fix the equipment. Um, you know, and you, you can kind of guide a new owner um, through the process of what the equipment does. How do we maintain it? How would you make sure it's working the way it's supposed to be working? 
But, uh, you know, once this person gets into power, then sometimes what I've seen is this kind of conflict between the owner and the manager in terms of how should the car wash be, be run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, and, and the scenario I see is the owner, when they started the car wash or they bought the car wash, they have a certain way that they want the business to be run. And then they start running in, running into this person who's the, the manager or the technocrat. Uh, and there starts to be conflict between those two people in terms of how things, things are being, being ran. And since the new owner is relatively new in the business or, you know, they're not 100% uh, in the business, you know, they're doing this kind of a part-time gig or whatever, you know, they don't want to go through the headache or the, or the, or the craziness of trying to make sure that the, uh, you know, the manager is doing what they're supposed to be doing. So then they start acquiescing to the manager uh, while giving up their standards, they start accepting the standards of other individuals, uh, especially the manager. And then, you know, come to find out that standard probably isn't the same as, as the owner. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there's so many parts uh, that you've touched on already, David, I want to come back to. Um, and, and this last part of it is certainly what we get sucked into, and, and that naturally so, is the ultimate goal is uptime, right? So we, we want the wash to be operating or we're not making any money. So the person that can most solve that problem, we often will end up giving that benefit of the doubt to or more power to, and, and it kind of, before we know it, you have that technocrat, right? That, that leads or is in charge because they know how to keep the place running but they may not be very good at managing and developing people. Yeah. Yeah. And you've talked about this often and it's becoming so obvious that the future of a successful car wash is as much about your people, retaining people, particularly in this very tight competitive labor market that we're in and getting the most out of those folks and so that there's, there's a, a disconnect there. But I want to go back to even further step. This challenge, and I'm glad that you call it HR because I think it gives it the importance that it deserves. For most small business owners, we come to our business ownership maybe from, with some corporate background, but not HR, some corporate background, maybe other business ownership. We might have you know, working experience in industry. But HR is often our biggest gap as far as skills and experience, isn't it? And so we don't give it the seriousness that it deserves. Yeah. And I think for so many years, you didn't have to do that. You I didn't think. have to. Right. Yeah. That's right. I think we, we had, if you go back and look at kind of the full service model, there might have been 30 to 50 people who were on the payroll. You know, you'd be losing three to five people a week sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? So, and that was no big deal because you had people that could replace them. You know, the, the labor requirements were relatively simple. There wasn't a lot that that person needed to know or do, you know, you just needed to be able to dry cars. You need to be able to vacuum cars. And, and yeah, there, so you just threw bodies at it and it was just not something you, you thought much about. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And now and we have all kinds it. of other impacts on us and it's, that's just part of it. You know, there's other reasons why you need to develop your staff, but if we look at just those governmental influences in a state like Colorado, where the minimum wage is now going to go up to, to 12 bucks an hour and we have a tight labor market and getting rid of someone has some consequences and, and just that alone poses different challenges. But what we know is that at the end of the day now, 
customer service is becoming more important and, and making right. sure those employees are operating safely and following the rules. And again, goes back to your point originally, are they delivering on the standard by which you want this business to represent you? Yeah. You know, in the competitive pressures out there in the car wash industry are doing nothing but increasing. Right? That's right. Is, is, you know, if there's an extra plot of land, the chances are a car wash is going to get built on it. That's right. And, and so operators and owners are trying to figure out how do I compete in this market? And I've always believed in the last two or three years that I think uh, human resources, the, the, the time and energy you put into human resources will determine if you're going to be one of the winners or if you're going to be one of the losers. Mm -hmm. And that's a big change for a lot of car wash operators that have been in the business a long time uh, because, you know, you didn't have to do that. Um, yeah. You know, if you had 30 or 50 people on site, you might have two or three people that kind of rise to the top. They become your managers. Um, they become the people that load cars. But now most car washes in the exterior express model, when you're hiring a brand new employee, you're expecting them to be able to load cars. Mm -hmm. So the, the skill level is even higher today than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that happens that, that you touched on, which we, we know we saw back in our sales career where the pro, the successful salesperson got promoted to manager and very often they were terrible as a manager because they didn't have those people skills, those really, they were a tremendous individual contributor, but that doesn't always translate to leading and growing other people. Similarly with that person that is the, the one that can keep the place running uh, often is who ends up in that in charge position, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's a great point in the car wash industry. What we typically do is the guy that can keep the car wash running becomes the manager. Right. And, and that's, that's could be the wrong, absolute wrong person to do that. And that's why car washing management is such a challenge is because we expect so much from that manager. Uh, we expect them to be able to deal with customers. We ex expect them to be able to recruit, hire and train employees and motivate employees. We expect them to understand equipment and keep it running. We expect them to understand computer systems. We expect them to be able to manage money and cash. There's a lot of skill set there that they've got to be able to do. And I think you and I have talked about this. If you had your choice mm -hmm. uh, as a manager, what type of manager would you hire? Yeah, I was just about to ask you that question. I right? got to you first. And it, I, I think... Uh, that I hire someone who is the leader, who can manage people, build and, and, and uh, develop people. I'd rather have that person be strong in that area. And I can hire either an assistant or a, uh, you know, maintenance only person. That's a lot easier to do if I've got maybe multiple locations that are close together and I have someone who floats, it's my maintenance person. But I would lean towards someone who has the management and leadership skills over the technical skills as the, as the leader at that location. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think you can always hire somebody to help with maintenance. I think that could be a possibly a, be an assistant manager position. But uh, I think the manager needs to have some sort of aptitude mechanically. I think they got to be able to fundamentally understand. They do. They do. Work. At a minimum, they have to be comfortable in that environment, right? Because a lot that's the challenge for us is how do we find someone who has those soft skills, but is also good with getting in the tunnel, getting dirty, getting wet when they need to. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I think that's more important. I think those skills are much more important than mechanical. I think you can find mechanical people. But I think it's it's the rare individual who's very good with customers 
and also very good with mechanics. Very rare, very rare. Yeah. What you find, and we found it, we found it out the hard way. Those people who are very good mechanically, they want to hide in the tunnel. Yeah, they want to hide, hide in the, the back equipment room. room. Yeah, yeah, they want to hide in the back. And and again, I think as they grow up, they say, you know, I'm not great with people, but then they they start gravitating toward positions and skills that don't require a lot of people interaction. Mm -hmm. exactly. Where where you and I, because of our sales background, because we're extroverts, we like people. We probably gravitated toward jobs that were more people focused rather than, uh, you know, either equipment focused or process focused, like you know processing purchase orders, for example, as a purchasing mm -hmm. agent, that's something I tried right out of college and I didn't like it that much, mm -hmm. you know, so we sort of gravitated a little different, but, but yeah, so, you know, their, their aptitude can, can be an indicator of what, you know, maybe what they're good at, what they're, what they don't like to do. Absolutely. So, so if I, if I find myself in this situation you're describing, Dave, then give me some of, uh, some of what I can do to start improving that. Yeah, you know, the, the one thing I see, and this is, and I start, and then you start talking to the owner. This is where I find this is becoming a problem. And that owner is frustrated because the place isn't running the way they want it to run, mm -hmm. yet they're afraid to do anything about it. Right, because the car wash is running, we're making money, um, you know, maybe we're getting some complaints here or there, or maybe it's not as clean as I'd like, the tunnel doesn't look like I want it to look, my employees don't look like I want them to look, but boy, it's it's running. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I think what they're telling themselves inside is I can't find somebody to replace this person. Yep. And if I did, I'm not sure I can train them the way I need to. Mm -hmm. And so that's where that lack of confidence comes in when it comes to their ability to, you know, manage their human resources. And so what happens is I typically see that spiral. So I'll see a standard spiral um, with, within a car wash. And the, the owner is increasingly getting frustrated. They start becoming isolated. They start not showing up at the site like they used to because things aren't working out the way they want it to. Yeah. And their team, as you know, you've articulated, starts to deteriorate. People don't really like working there. Increases turnover. Nobody really buys in from a customer service perspective. And so, again, like you said, it's a downward spiral. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, and, that, and I've, I've, I've sensed that with some of my clients and some of the people that I know in the car wash industry. So I wanted to address that and say, how can you, you know, what are some things you can do to help address that issue? And again, I think the number one thing we're going to be seeing in the future in the car wash industry is the owners and the managers that embrace human resource as one of the most important skill sets and one of the most important areas they need to spend time in. Those are going to be the winners in the future yeah. Yeah. for a number of different reasons. You've got a great you know, you've got a good team of people. The team is working well together. When a team's working well together, they're taking care of the customer. Uh, they're keeping the place looking good. They're making sure the car wash quality is up where it needs to be. There's a tremendous amount of benefits when you take care of your people in the car wash environment, how they're going to take care of, of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else. And, and, it applies to uh, the safety, overall safety, customer service. And then, you and I have talked about this so much in both of our shows, David, how you feel about how that business represents you, right? Yeah. I, I have to believe that all of us as business owners want to be proud of our business and we want it to represent us. And it's, it's something we helped create and it's an extension of us. And right. that's to your point that when it starts slipping away from us, 
you know, I think that's when you hear a lot of people approaching burnout, hating it, dreading it. And it's like, what's the point as a business owner? We, we don't need that. Yeah. 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 I, I couldn't agree more. And I, you know, I was a victim of that for years and years and years and only sort of figured this out the last two or three years mm -hmm. of car wash ownership, but I had some great help, some great coaches finally hired a great operations manager. Right. And so that's, that's going to be a good, I'm going to talk about that example and how that helped me in the future. But so first of all, it's, it's, it's critical to being competitive. You want to be competitive in the car wash industry. You better have a great team of people. And if you have a great team of people, you better have a good manager. And if you're going to have a good manager, you better start learning the whole game of human resources. Mm -hmm. And we can't give human resources lip service anymore in the car wash industry for, for no other reason. There's just not enough people around to, to work anymore. I mean, That's unemployment right. is still super low. And until that changes, you know, Right. And even if it does change, we know we've all heard and talked about millennials. They think about work very differently, whether we like it or not. It's a fact. And, and, and I, we've talked about this a lot. Also, uh, most recently, we both had a gentleman, Chris Tuff on our Tuff, I think his last name is on our show talking about millennials and, and what they, they get and what they're looking for beyond pay is, are they being recognized? Are they being acknowledged? Are they being developed? Is it clear to them where, you know, how you're investing in them? And believe it or not, this applies to blue collar type positions as well, in particular, because we tend to hire younger people. We know they're not going to come work for us for 20 years, likely, but when they're with us, they want to feel like, like they belong to something. Yeah, uh, that they are that they're believed in and that that you're interested in them and their individual development. Yeah. And even in the car wash business, even as a tunnel loader, even as a person who's in charge of making sure the parking lot is clean, you can create meaning in those particular activities. Agreed. Right. And I've seen great operators do that. We really tried to do that, you know, toward the last two or three years of us owning car washes, you know, my, my job, once I got my head cleared was, you know, how do I create meaning for these people? Because what they do means something, even though it feels mundane, it goes to a bigger picture of how do we serve our customer? How do we make our customer happy? You know, how do we, our customers come to wash their car to feel better. And how do we, how do we contribute to that? You know, how do we send a little bit of love to everybody when we load the car and tell them, Hey, we appreciate you coming. Thanks. You know, with a little wave and a little smile at the end. And, uh, you know, you can create meaning around what, what people do in their jobs. And, you know, I was talking with Ryan Cook this morning, our good friend from Diamond Shine, and he was telling me about a study that was done at a college where they were, they were paying kids $10 an hour to move a deck of cards, flipping over the card and, and setting them up in different piles. And that's mm -hmm. what they did. And they would quit after about a day or two. And then they started paying them $12 and they went all the way up to $40 wow. that they were an hour that they were paying these kids. It was a study they were doing. Mm -hmm. and the reason they were quitting is it wasn't because of the money because the money was great. Yeah. They just, it just didn't it was mindless. It was, yeah. yeah. They, they, they just didn't see any purpose in the mm -hmm. job. Yeah. And so that's why it's very important for us to say, how can we create the purpose? How do we communicate the purpose? How do we reinforce the purpose with, with, within an organization? Yeah. Um, the other, the other part of that, while it's fresh in my head there, David, that, that people are looking for millennials or people our age is when you make it clear what the rules for success are in that in your environment, people really buy into that. What, what most people respond poorly to, and you can get a lot of when you have that, 
that technocrat that doesn't know how to lead people is there's no, there's no clarity on what success means for me in my position. How does, how, and, and part of it, of course, is how does it tie into the overall mission? But just what, what is my path? What is, how do, how are you going to measure me? How do I, how can I do well at this? If you don't provide them that roadmap, that blueprint, which we'll talk about how we execute on that, it's about training and ongoing coaching, not just the initial training, but ongoing training. When you give people that clarity, what I have found is most people want to do the right job. Um, and those who don't, you're going to figure that out, but that's always been the case. But most people want to do a good job. They just get frustrated when you don't tell them clearly what that is, what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's why the people component of this is so important. It's not about, you know, it's not always about the equipment. It's not always about the customer in, you know, but I think the most important thing you can do as an owner and a manager is really focus on your team. Yes. If you focus on your team, your team will take care of the customers. If you right. focus on your team, the team will take care of the equipment and make sure you're getting good wash quality. And they'll take sure care of each that. other, right? Nobody wants to play on a losing team. Right. And, right. and that, and the people who do stay there are because they, they, they live on that chaos and hide behind it. But yep. the good people don't want to stay on a losing team. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to find people and managers. And I didn't put this down in my, my, uh, you know, how do we solve the problem? But you want people that want the team to be successful. So they're not, the problem with the technocrat in some cases is they're more focused on making themselves look good. That's right. That's right. Now they can do that independently, but a lot of times they do that to the expense of the other team members. Exactly. And, and I've had some assistant managers that would, you know, make everybody else look bad to make themselves look good. Mm -hmm. Only that, they can come to save the day. That's right. That's right. And that's a soul destroying individual that will destroy an organization quicker than anything else. So this is David begin before we continue with this episode. I have a few questions for you. Are you planning on opening a car wash and getting overwhelmed? Are you a bit confused and searching for unbiased advice? Are you an existing car wash operator searching for ways to improve your employee turnover or trying to solve other operational challenges? I have faced and overcame some of the same obstacles over the past 15 years to help develop a very successful car wash business. I can provide you with the guidance you need to help you navigate and solve the challenges we all face in this business. If you want to learn more about my one-on-one -on -one car wash coaching program, then I invite you to schedule a free coaching call with me. Please text the word FOAM to 31996 and I'll reply with a link to schedule your free call. Let's chat about one of the challenges you're facing and let me help you gain some clarity. Again, please text the word FOAM, F-O-A-M, to 31996. All right, so give me more of, you know, when you say I, I have to embrace human resources, develop my HR confidence, give me some more examples of what that means or how I can begin to get there. So the first thing I would say is you got to become a student of human resources. So though you don't have a background in human resources, you need to start embracing that. That's not a touchy feely subject anymore. Um, you know, that you leave to the people that got the liberal arts degree. In college. <laughs> it's not woo woo stuff anymore. Yeah. It's not woo woo. It's, it's real. Right. And organizations are spending a lot of time and a lot of money in that. So when you start, you know, study it. So there's a lot of different places you can get information every week. HR Affinity, for example, which partners with the International Car Wash Association, has a Monday uh, 
vlog, I guess is what you call it. So sure. Video, video yeah. log. Claudia does, does a quick five or 10 minute video on a subject, HR subject. So, you know, look at that and kind of, kind of see, study what Gallup says. So subscribe to Gallup. We were, you know, we use strength finders quite a bit in our businesses. And so that's owned by Gallup. Gallup is a big organization focused on HR and employee engagement. Subscribe to their emails. Um, you know, lots of great information, you know, subscribe to the local business magazine online and get emails about how people engage employees. So there's a lot of great examples on how you can do that and find fun ways to get your employees engaged. It's, it's fun for them, but it's also fun for you when you do those things. So lots of great information out there, a lot of great ideas, become a student of human resources, you know, become a student on how to recruit, become a student on how to hire, become a student on how to develop employees. And, yeah. and you and I, you know, we, we kind of had a lot of on the job training when it came to that, mm -hmm. but learn how to be effective in all of those areas. And I think it makes a huge difference. It'll make a big difference in, in your organization. Yeah. And it's continuous learning. I mean, a couple of things, speaking of Claudia St. John and affinity HR, she was most recently, you had a two part episode, episode 91 and episode 92 of the how a car washing. If you haven't listened to those episodes, I encourage you to go back and listen to those and listen to them multiple times because it's one of those things where, like you said, you have to become a student of it and you're always learning, right? I'll, I'll throw out this example again. We've, I've highlighted it before in other episodes, but most recently, you know, I've had to learn to change my approach to interviewing because the approach that I was taking just is not any more effective, especially with this you know, the current situation that we're in from a labor perspective, you mm -hmm. have to do a lot more selling. And I come from the school of, well, you got to convince me why I should hire you. And really the truth is now it's, it's a, a balance of those two things. So that yeah. was where I had to stop. You know, you and I challenge each other all the time on these things. What, what are we doing that's not working and how do we get better at it? So like anything else is a continuous learning. Right. Right. So that, that's one thing. So learn and start enjoying it. I started enjoying HR once I got into it and started learning about it because I was always trying to figure out how do I motivate people? How do I build good teams? I really started enjoying it. So, you know. And you know, on that point, David, of enjoying it, I think uh, I was going to mention earlier, but this is the right time to mention it. I, I think you will be the first to say that while you're not going to reach everyone, and, and yeah, we, we have employees that are doing mundane tasks and they're only going to be with us for a short period of time in this portion of their life, maybe. But it's, it's, it's so empowering and so wonderful when you have people come back and tell you, you know what, the time that I spent here, it was good. I learned some skills. I, I was treated fairly. Um, that's, that's very rewarding when you hear that. And I know you've heard that many times of people who will come back and say, you know, this was a great place to work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. And they can come back and even somebody I might've fired, I'll exactly. see them later on. Exactly. Hey, how you doing? You know, and I, oh yeah. man, I, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't take it the same way I did. So right. they don't hate yeah. me as it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, I think that's good. So yeah, when, when you get into it, I think it does make, make a big difference. And I believe it's really the main job of the owner yeah. in terms of how do you build a good team? How do you, and enjoy you know. it because it's an opportunity to beyond how they will then produce for you to help you make more profit. You are, you are helping somebody grow. You're helping somebody develop. And that's, you know, that's very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. So the second thing is here, always hire, always be hiring. So if you find a person that you think would be a great, 
person on your team, I recommend go ahead and hire them. Um, you might have one extra person for a while, but you know, given turnover in the car wash industry, you know, you, they're probably going to, going to fall into their place pretty quickly, but, uh, you know, you should always be looking for that next person. So mm -hmm. when you go to restaurants, when you go to places where you see customer service and you see somebody really outperforming, I would recommend, you know, going ahead and talking to that person. Hey, have you ever thought about working in the car wash industry? Here's my card. You know, if it's something you're, you're you think you might be interested in, give me a call. We can talk about it. Yeah. You know, but I, I think the big problem I had is I wanted to be finished with the hiring process <laughs> so I could get back to my real job. That's right. Right. And I think that was a big mistake, you know, yeah, because I, yeah. I would you, you rush the process. You put it so clearly, and, and I don't know if you got this from Mr. Goudreau or not, but, but that the hiring process is a continuous process. It's not an event. Yeah. And you lose the hiring interviewing skill if you don't use it quite often. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you should set a goal to interview three people a month, even if you don't have anybody that you need, but you should always be doing informational interviews. I always like to look at it as when people ask me, are you hiring? I say, we're always looking for talented people. Yeah. So, you know, make it a continuous process. If you do it continually, it's not a big deal when you do have a need to hire somebody because you might have identified two or three people that are working somewhere else that aren't happy, that might want to make a change, that might be a good candidate. Yeah. One of the ways we've um, tactically implemented that, David, is we typically challenge our managers and we say, if you lost somebody today, you needed to replace somebody. Do you have one or two candidates that you could call up? Yeah. yeah. Now I get it. The, the, the shelf life of a candidate is very short these days, right? Um, and that's part of, you know, learning how to, how to, how to recruit better. But that means that you're constantly, you're continuously have some level of a pipeline of people that you've talked to or interview that if you had to replace somebody tomorrow, you might have somebody. Yeah. And, and if you find somebody good and you think you might not, you might not, you know, be able to hire them in a month or two, just go ahead and hire them now. I, I just, Agreed. I think Agreed. having an extra person just makes a world of difference. They can, they can train, you know, a lot of times we do on the job training and that's very stressful for new employees because we throw them into the position quite, you know, right away. But if you can give them a little bit of runway to train with people and then bring them up to speed in four to eight weeks, whatever you think it's going to take. Then I think it's I think it's beneficial for the team. It's beneficial for that new employee, and you've got some extra people you know ready to go when you need it. Yep. So that that was hiring. So that was talking about you know you should always be willing to hire somebody if you find a good person. The the third thing I want to talk about is you know your job as an owner or as a manager is to build a team, and you're not building it around an individual or a personality. Mm. And so when you start looking at your group, you know if you've got somebody with a really super strong personality and they're kind of the savior of the organization and, they, and they're setting themselves up to be irreplaceable, that's when you've got a bad situation. Agreed. So, And, and you've highlighted uh, some of those obvious clues, but, but another one that comes to mind, David, if you have any kind of team meetings or weekly meetings or whenever, whenever you get people together, one of the things I look for is, who, who, is there somebody who dominates the conversation and nobody else has an opinion? What that can tell you is that everybody has been intimidated not to say anything, or they don't trust that their opinion matters, or they're just trying to not make any waves. So look for that interaction. A lot of times that'll give you clues as to whether you do have an autocrat that's in charge. Yeah. Yeah. 
and the other part of that is go ahead and talk to those assistant managers. Hey, how's, you know, how's Susan doing as the manager, for example, mm -hmm. you know, how's she mm -hmm. doing? Is there anything I can do to help coach her, you know, make it, make it wide open, but you ought to be talking to the team, how the team is doing and how the managers are doing to see if you can get any clues in that area. If that person is not doing a great job of, of hiring. Right. The challenge there though, David, is you have to read between the lines because they, uh, the good ones, the good autocrats uh, have a great ability to manipulate and bully, intimidate people to fall in line behind them. Yep. Right. So you, you really have to sometimes ask questions in different ways and look so more for the clues than what they may not tell you. Sometimes it's in what they don't tell you. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so you have to be uh, astute enough and, and in touch enough to read those things. Yeah. And if the manager is the person doing all the work and all the maintenance and everything like that, mm -hmm. and the rest of the team is not, that's also a red flag. Yes, so making yes. sure that your team is equally distributing the effort in maintaining the car wash. Uh, so that if, if the manager, you know, because a lot of people that want to control the process will do it all themselves. That's right. And that's what they'll tell you. Oh yeah. I, only I can do that. Uh, and I'll, I'll come and save the day. They, they hide behind chaos. Yeah. So that's one clue. Then the other side is someone who says, yeah, I, I'm going to give what's in face. Uh, what's his name? A, a chance. I've trained him. I think he can do it. I'm going to be there to support him. But yeah, no, you know what? Uh, the other day, Sally took care of that problem and she did great. Okay. Now what I'm hearing is somebody who's developing a team. Right. And they take pride in that, not in, oh, yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll get it, David. I'll take care of it. I'll come and, and, and put out that fire and save the car wash. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, they like playing that role. But, they do. you know, they, but, but again, it's at the expense of other people. Yeah. yeah. And so these next two really kind of more focused on the mindset or the owner or the manager. But one thing, first of all, is your organization is suffering when you have a person like that. So when you're keeping a person who's the technocrat on board, chances are the rest of the team is suffering because they're not getting opportunities to do things. They're not getting opportunities to grow in the organization. They're not being recognized. This person is trying to steal the limelight for the car wash. And so the reason why it's not good to have that technocrat in place as the manager is because it affects the whole organization. Right. So that's, that, that's a big one. The second one is if you do get rid of that person. So, right. That the, I don't have the confidence to hire somebody new. So I'm not going to get rid of this person. If you get rid of this person, I will promise you it will be okay. Yes. It will be okay. Will I can't survive. tell you how many times, we lost an employee and I thought, oh, there's no way we're going to be able to replace this person. The whole place is going to shut down. You know what? The organization came alive. Yeah. So there's probably somebody somewhere in the wings in the organization that really wants to take responsibility. Once that person is kind of out of the way, that person now has the opportunity to show what they can do. Agreed. And so don't be afraid. It don't, you got to tell yourself, if I get rid of this person, it, it will be okay it will be okay. And it actually will be better because a lot of your employees will say, man, I'm glad that's over with. I can't believe it took you forever to get rid of that guy. It's amazing how much surfaces when you do get rid of that bad employee that, yeah, that, yeah, the, the, he, he was, he or she was great at fixing stuff and keeping the thing running, but it turns out nobody liked him or her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other problem is they were a terrible manager. Yeah. That's why. 
right? So there, there's all the problems that were associated with bad management that, uh, that, that causes the problem. And so again, look for those clues. How come you haven't gotten this person's six month review done, if that's what you do? Or how come you haven't finished your paper? Oh, I was busy. There was a problem. And they always have an excuse yeah. about how something critical happened that day that they had to go take care of. So now those, that is the truth sometimes in our types of operations. So you're looking for those trends. Is that the recurring pattern? Is that what always is the excuse? You probably have a problem. That's right. And the other thing I would tell you from your own mindset, if you're feeling bad about like, I, I could tell it was always a red flag when I didn't want to show up to the site. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would go to the other site. I wouldn't go to this site. <laughs> I would go to Denver. I wouldn't be in Colorado Springs or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I just didn't like what was going on. I just, I was frustrated. I didn't, you know, the manager wasn't performing. Everybody was upset, you know. So that, that's a clue if you're saying, man, I'm not going as often as I was. Why am I not going to, to my car wash? You know, could be that, you know, you don't like what's going on there. So that's, that's, right. that's something I want you to kind of think about if you have that, have that issue. Um, the other thing I want you to realize is you can find the right person. So in order to develop good HR confidence, you got to tell yourself, I can find the right person, the right person that fits this role. There are people out there in the world that really want to do this job and want to do it well and can do it well and are going to fit with your management and organizational philosophies and style. But you can't stop until you find that right person. That's right. And that's the key, right? We, we get... Um... I don't know if complacence is the right word. We, we just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of effort, I guess is what it is. And we, we want to avoid that. Like you said, it's like, oh, I got, at least he shows up and he takes care of things. And so I'm putting up with it. And, That's and right. I want to deal with having to go through the whole process of finding somebody else. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard of that. Well, the person's dependable. They show yes. up. That's right. They and show if up. we need them, they'll, they'll come into work. They'll come in. Exactly. Which is one element of being a good employee, but it doesn't make them a, it doesn't, but they might be a terrible employee. When that's they right. Because it's also an element of an autocrat because they know that game. They know that's part of how they think they have you won over. Oh, he, oh, again, he always comes to save the day. Yep. So, you know, just, just because a person is dependable, doesn't make them a great employee. I, I think dependability is an important part, but it's not the only part you want to be looking for. Agreed. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times my clients have told me, oh, I just can't find the right person. Oh, mm -hmm. we just can't hire that. You know, mm -hmm. just, we can't find anybody to do that. I'm like, there are people out there that will do it. Don't tell me you can't find somebody. It means you've tried and you either failed in trying to identify somebody or you hired somebody and they weren't the right fit. Agreed. So you've got to be willing to go through the river of misery <laughs> to find the right person. Yeah. And put the effort into that process. I think that's the other thing that sometimes uh, an owner will, will shortchange. And sometimes it's because you become so disillusioned with it. You say, ah, it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. And, and you, you are able to apply some skills and techniques to try to screen out someone that is going to be a good fit. Uh, there are lots of help you can get, tools and skills. And then sure, you, you don't know until someone is in that position, but then that, that's where the you know, the higher slowly and fire fast uh, uh, mentality comes into play, right? Yeah. 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 That's where you've got to be able to do that. And if it's not the right person, then, then do a debrief that's right. with somebody and say, okay, why, why was this not the right hire? What are we going to learn from this? What if we look back, you know, you and I try to do a good job. I know I do what I do an interview of keeping my notes so I can go back and what did I miss? What, 
what was a question that I could have asked that may have uncovered something or in the interview process or, you know, where did we disconnect? Why did this person not connect? Because sometimes it's just the organization isn't a good fit for that person. And I really didn't anticipate that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could be the organization was a good fit. It could be that the skills weren't correct. It could mm -hmm. be that they're not motivated. Correct. Yeah. To do this type of job. So, and it doesn't make them a bad person either, right? It's just, they're yeah. not a fit for what we're looking for. And it doesn't necessarily make you a bad manager or, right. or an interviewer. It just means you missed that. So take that and apply that to your next hire, right? So when you hire next time, okay. Remember we hired this guy from the trucking industry, but you know, he said he had a lot of mechanical skills, but you know what? He really didn't or whatever it was, you know, make sure you apply that next time because each one of those hires is, is a learning experience. You might as well get something out of it. Agreed. So that, I think that's important. Don't stop until you find the right person. Do not stop until you find the right person. When you find the right person is like a godsend. You'd be like, <laughs> man, I don't know how in the world I went this long without that's right. A person like this. And when you find them, you got to pay them well, right? You got to. That's right. Home. Yeah. That, 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 that's one of my points here is, you know, I mean, you got to get a pay them, right? So a good employee wants to be paid, pay them a little bit more than you think you should. And I think that's probably a fair, fair number, you know, because you don't want them with one eye out the door looking for another $5,000 a year. And a lot of these manager positions are very critical in your organization. And for all the reasons that you, you don't have HR confidence, one of them is, you know, hiring and bringing them up to speed takes weeks or months, if not years, to get somebody to be good at it. So mm -hmm. if you find somebody you wanna keep, make sure you pay them well, and, uh, and that investment will pay, pay itself in dividends. Okay, so the other one I would also say is, if you're not sure, try to get some HR help. So Absolutely. there are companies out there like, Affinity HR, who can help recruit. They've done, they did some recruitment for us at our car wash in Denver when we hired a manager. So there are professionals out there that can help you with the recruiting process if you're not comfortable with it. So if, if you just feel completely like either you don't have the time or you don't have the expertise, get some help, spend some time with them and learn from them. So not only are you going to pay them to help you find a good candidate, but also see what you can do to learn from them. Yeah, it's, it's so telling that we'll spend money on a CPA, on an attorney, on, on uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, equipment specialists, repair people, plumbers, electricians. But when it comes to HR, we, again, we, we haven't elevated it to the level of one of those components that are critical to our business for which we also need to get help. Right, right. So that's, I, I think that's a really important one that you should look at. If, if you, if you need some help with that. So, and then the last question I would ask you is if you could hire the perfect person. So what would you be doing differently or not be doing in your, in your business? So what mm -hmm. would you be putting up with and what would you not be putting up with if you knew you could get the right person? And I right. think you always have to have that in the back of your mind because you've got to kind of gauge where you're at with your business. And if you're, if you're fundamentally frustrated or unhappy, sometimes you can't identify that. And I think the best way to identify that is, you know, ask yourself, do I have the perfect person? Well, if not, what am I missing? And am I willing to go out there and get it? Yeah. So I think HR confidence is a very important tool. I think it's a very important mindset in the car wash industry. And I really want to encourage you, if you don't have it, to work on it um, and, uh, and to, you know, feel like, hey, I can, I can find the right team. I can build a great team. 
and and insert them in, at this particular car wash or this unit, and it will make a lot of the difference. And that's that's kind of where I was. I mean, once I got to that point, and I had a great team, it gave me a lot of confidence. It gave me a whole bunch of confidence. Mm -hmm. But you know, it, it came with some effort. Yeah, I mean, as Dan Sullivan says about confidence, that's not what comes first. You have to have the courage to to learn to apply yourself, to get help and, and start to look at it differently. And with that, then you will develop the confidence that you need to, to get better in this arena of HR. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So that's what I wanted to talk about, HR confidence. If you're having issues with HR and you'd like somebody to kind of work with you, we are accepting clients. So if you text the word FOAM, F-O-A-M to three one. 996. And then you'll, you'll get an automated reply and you can then go ahead and sign up. If you want to do a 30 minute call with me and talk about some of your HR issues, be happy to do that. Um, and see, maybe we can maybe help you out in this area. So Henry, thank you so much for joining me on this. I know it's a subject that you're passionate about and Absolutely. I'm passionate about, and yep. it was always good to, good to talk to you. Why don't you give us a quick snippet on how your podcast is doing? So we've got a sister podcast out there in the world. Thank you for listening sure, yeah, to the How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on the How of Car Washing. You can find that at thehowofbusiness.com. And of course, the how of carwashing.com for David's podcast. Yeah. So we're looking forward to our, will this be our third year we'll be moving into in the podcast? Oh, right? gosh. Yeah. For, for the how of business, it's going on to this next spring will be four years, I think, for both shows. We may, we may have started how carwashing a little bit later. So yeah. we're, we're past the three year marks on both shows. Yeah. So we're excited about 2020. We're going to bring you some interesting and exciting content. And, uh, you know, stay tuned. We'll let you know how it goes. But Henry, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Appreciate it. My pleasure. And we'll talk again soon.